Welcome to the Life Unhyped podcast, where we talk about all of the wins, but more importantly, the losses that shape us during our most vulnerable moments. We keep it real, uncut, and direct for the fans. I am your host, Andrew Manley. Let's get to it. Welcome, everybody, to the third podcast. I'm so excited here. To be here with uh, a dear friend of mine, Michelle Yazvak. Hello. What's up? What's up? What's up? Uh, We're still here in Brooklyn, New yep. York. And um, um, I wanted to bring Michelle on here because she's got a really great story of coming to New York once again, um, followed by Alec and um, c- the component of chasing dreams and trying to find yourself and all of the things that come along with, um, you know, just adulting. And yep. so a quick background on Michelle. She came to New York in 2015. She's almost entering into her fourth year here. Yep, in the middle of August, wow. coming up four years. I'm pretty sure that went extremely fast. Very fast. And, um, you know, so Michelle grew up with a, with a background uh, with singing and dancing and uh, later on got into acting, I believe. Right. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump right into it and, and figure out what Michelle is trying to do with her life. And, of course, all of the struggles, all of the things that she is finding very difficult in her life. And, um, of course, in the future with the follow-up, we'll see where Michelle heads. So right. um, just a quick background. Um, I came to New York just under two years ago where I met you for the first time Mm -hmm. and um, you were in school um, and um, you were, I think you were just getting close to finishing school. Actually, no, I had finished school right when you came and I was really eager to find representation and just get out there because I had chosen to start an acting career at a Mm -hmm. very late time. I felt, I mean, they say nothing's, you're never too old to start anything. But for me, I felt like, man, I need to get a head start in there. I need to get out there and, you know, find representation to audition for the roles that I wanted. Got it. So obviously uh, coming out of school and just wanting to be a working actress in New York. Um, but before we talk about that, let's shoot all the way back to uh, your upbringing, what that was like, where you came from, um, what you were dreaming of when you were a young girl. And, um, you know, where you are today. So, uh, all right. Memory lane. So I was born, um, in Germany in Frankfurt, Germany. My father was in the military, tons of American kids born there, came back to the States. We settled in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I grew up in this weird dynamic of having a, an American father, a Filipino mother growing up in the South of the United States, which is such a cluster of you know strong viewpoints um and so growing up I was always trying to find my place in terms of what I enjoyed doing I knew I wanted to do something that I enjoyed my mother saw this in me and she she pushed some recreational activities on me which I fully appreciate you know anything from sewing lessons to karate to gymnastics, ice skating, and then dance came along, and that's the one thing that stuck. Ballet, specifically, I just enjoyed the symmetry of ballet and the movements, and it just felt like a place where I could just use all this energy. And dance happened for quite a while, you know, going six days a week, you know, long rehearsals on a Saturday, still being in school, and then it reached a point where I, like, I felt drained. I felt that drained feeling 
in my preteen years of pursuing something. And then I was like, man, I don't know if I could do dance anymore. Like, I, I know I will still enjoy it forever in my life, but I just don't know if I want to do that. So just to cut you off real quick, you started at what age? Dancing? Yeah. Um, I would say I started when I was seven. Okay. And then eight. when you felt like you were kind of getting to the point where it was coming to a close, how old were you then? I was, I was like just about to start high school. Okay. So maybe 13, 14? Um, probably, yeah, 14, 13. Okay. But I knew I wanted to do something else that would have more long- longevity because mm-hmm. I knew that a dance career is very, you know, cut- cuts off early. Sure. So then in high school, freshman year through senior year, I was doing drama classes, really fell for that. And, um, and then after that, I realized, you know, parental, you know, pressure, you need to get a degree, especially an Asian mother, you know, you need to get a degree, like right. pursue something, yada, yada, yada. You need yada. to be a doctor. Yeah, yeah, you know, everyone knows that. <laughs> or a nurse. <laughs> um, and so then I got a degree in environmental studies because I realized, you know, I've always loved animals. I love nature, wanted to, you know, learn more about that. But still there was these moments of me flo- like frolicking back to the dance department and trying to take classes or just get a sneak peek of what the art department's doing. And I realized, you know, I was far into my degree that I might as well finish it. And then it took going to the Philippines to find acting and realize, you know, this is something that I've always wanted to do, but I was always too afraid. And even as a young kid watching shows, I would always pay attention to the, I would get into the story, but I would always kind of push past what was being, you know, told through storytelling and really pay attention to the human who was playing these characters and look at their mannerisms. I was always intrigued with that. And so, yeah. Do you feel like, um, so what age were you when you went to the Philippines? I went there growing up um, summers at a time when I was seven and then seven years later when I was 14 and then another seven years later. So I have like this triple seven thing going on. Right after college, I went again when I was 23. And that's when I was able to explore the Philippines without holding my mom's hand. Got it. And just get out there. So at 23, you actually kind of went back to the Philippines and said, hey, look, um, I want to act or is that kind of what you went back there for? No, I went back there to get in touch with my other half. Oh. Because growing up in the South, there were never any, you know, half kids that were half white, half Filipino. Right. And I always wanted to go there and really explore it. My mom was moving back. So, you know, I was there for vacation. And then one thing led to another. Everyone was like, hey, you should be in this. I want to audition for this. Can you be in my music video? I was like, sure, why not? And I ended up staying there for two years, and then that's what led me to New York because I realized if I really want to do this, I want to go back home to the States. So let's back up real quick. In the Philippines, when you're doing, um, you know, you said, was it? um, Um, Just like being in people's music videos, acting in um, student films, um, commercials. I did um, a big commercial over there for their, it's kind of like their AT&T. It's called Globe. Uh Uh-huh. And so being on a set there, professional yeah. set there, I was like, man, I, I really want to do this in the States, though. Do you feel like <laughs> um, it was easier for you to start in the Philippines versus starting here? Absolutely, because I was Filipino, but I was also half, and they love that look over yeah. there. And even if you ask any other half 
Filipino half white kid who grew up in the States, they're probably going to have some tita or tito that's like, oh, you should go to the Philippines right. and pursue acting, be an artista. And my mom would always say that to me. And I'm like, nah, I don't want to get paid in pesos. Like, <laughs> I don't want to go over there. And then I fell for it when I was there. But being in Manila and being in that city like grind, I think prepared me for New York. Got it. Got yeah. It. Do you, um, what was the biggest thing, what was the biggest campaign you did in the Philippines? The, my Globe commercial. Okay. I was like, and it, ironically enough, I was cast as like the dancer. Oh, and interesting. And clips of me dancing, listening. It was kind of like a, a collaboration with Spotify, Globe, and other apps. You know, like use AT&T, you know, it gets you all these things. It was kind of like that, but Globe. Right. What year was that? That was 2015. Okay. Wow. So that's right before you kind of came to Right before I came. Like, things started picking up over there. I was also on the cover of Cebu, Cebu Pacific, which is a Filipino airline uh, magazine. Um, and all that started happening there. But then I still, you know, I knew that I wanted more. I always, I always want more. <laughs> right, right, right. Sure. And I think that's kind of the... Um, the danger, I think, when, when you're young also and you're starting off, you're always kind of pursuant of, you know, bigger things. But I think, funny enough, I think nowadays, um, with, you know, with me being closer to 40, I think um, there's components of me, like, understanding that certain things take a certain amount of time. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And I've gotten to the point where I've kind of, I'm respecting the, the, the time it takes for something to mature. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's so many times nowadays it's just like everything is rush, rush. And I feel like things are um, things are coming about much sooner than people should allow their mind to kind of adjust to, you know, yeah. what I'm saying? part of maturity. Yeah. And so. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, so you, you went to Philippines, you did some work and said, hey, look, I want to get serious about this. I should just go straight to New York. Yeah. And I will admit, I had a little bit of that side effect of, like, I would start something, like dance, and I wouldn't follow through. I would start something like karate, and I wouldn't follow through. Right. That's because you're a creative. <laughs> I, oh, is that what it is? Cre yeah, because <laughs> creative energy is strange. You know, we, we get to the point where we can get inspired so easily. Yeah. And we're just, like, burning Like a hot. child. Exactly. And you're like, ooh, and you follow it. And then you're like, eh, I'm bored. And <laughs> exactly. I, I say this. Um, I say that creativity is, um, it burns hot but it burns fast. Yeah. And uh, once that fire ends, it's like we're already ready to move on, yeah. you know? And so I think part of being creative is allowing ourselves to just try many different things and find out what's, you know, what is for us. You yeah. Know? And you might find out that dancing was something that helped shape you to help maybe for become sure. a better actress, you know? It's at the end of it all, when you look back in hindsight, it all weaves together somehow and right. you didn't even realize it exactly. until the present moment. Um, right. I like acting because it, it's, it's your mind performing, too. Right. It takes, I mean, yes, you use your mind to do ballet movements and dance movements and physicality, but taking a character is something that uses your consciousness right. to do another you, level. Do you feel like in the Philippines, um, I would, because I would say you had an advantage because you said you were half white, yeah. um, do you feel like that kind of kept you, do you feel like that... Um, that it made it too easy for you and you wanted more challenges or you wanted to see if you can make it on a, without that handicap or? Well, it was an advantage, but I'm not going to lie. There's so much talent over there, mm -hmm. so much talent. And I'm very proud of what is being produced out there and what artists are coming out of there, singers, actors. But the storytelling wasn't 
on par with what I wanted to be associated with. Okay. It was still, you know, I just saw a lot of telenovela type, which they call teleseries. Yeah. Love triangle plot lines. And I wasn't really, I didn't want to work up to that. Yeah. Yeah. But there are some nice independent films that have been premiered at cons and stuff. But I realized if I was going to work up to that, I might as well spend that time back home in the States. And uh, when you decided that, how did you choose um, New York versus L.A.? Um, well, I guess I always fantasized about New York more than L.A. Mm. And being from North Carolina, which is closer to New York, closer to family. And I would say the heart of where acting was born in the States. I felt that, like that's what magnetized that's me. That's what pulled this. you. Yeah. Okay. So when you came here... Um, did you come with family or friends or by yourself? I came by myself, but at the time I was dating um, an ex-boyfriend uh-huh. who also came here for acting. Was he in the Philippines? He was an, he's, he's an actor in the Philippines. Okay. He's pretty successful over there, you know, is in TV shows and whatnot. And I was the one that was like, you know, you should come to the States and get some and see what the States is like, you yeah. know, try it out here, which he did. And. You know, he's still working in the, in the Philippines, and I think he comes to the States still just to audition or whatever. I'm not really sure. Um, but, yeah, that was going on. And then I feel like if you come here in a relationship, you're probably going to split up before the year ends, which is what happened. Mm-hmm. And um, I was in, just in school with my classmates. It was, it was great to come here to New York and be in a program. It was like a nice segue to find a group of people and figure out and navigate New York City. How'd you um, find a school? Um, I looked online. I was just researching acting programs. And I was researching acting programs back when I was a junior in college, when I was studying abroad in England. Okay. I was like in the middle of my semester, my, my second semester, my junior year, knowing that I had to go back and finish one year in Greensboro, North Carolina. I was looking up acting schools. I'm like, God, I really want to just like start this, but I have a year left of my bachelor's degree. Just, just do it anyway. So I found uh, New York Conservatory for the Dramatic Arts. Okay. I appreciate. So did you finish? Oh. Did you finish your bachelor's? Yeah, I did. Okay, I so did. you finished that. Then yeah. you came back and said, Hey, look, I want to act, and you found a school because you wanted to kind of you said like a segue into the world. Exactly, and yeah. get a just a foundation of how to take a script read through it, analyze it, break it down, how we, like, mocked sets, and, you know. All right, so yeah. what I want to talk about is I think it's very important for, um, I think there's a, a lot of controversy right now over colleges and tuitions and stuff. Um, I guess I want to go back and talk to you about that type of unhyped information right now, which is um, the benefit is, is that you're going to school, you, you're actually learning something very specific, acting, right? You're not going to a school for something more general, Right. Um, and within the scope of that, um, I'm assuming those tuitions and schools and like that are pricey, especially in New York. Right. Um, do you feel like looking back, the what you've gained from going to school and um, you know and, and, and paying the tuition that you're paying today, do you feel like those things are justified? It depends on what you're pursuing. Um, now that I realize that acting is my main thing. I'm glad that I did go to a school for it um, just to get a foundation. But my bachelor's degree, that only gave me memories of, you know, just 
being with people and social times more right. so than being in the class and utilizing everything that I learned in college in the classroom. I just felt like it was kind of like a bigger high school to me. Right. So in hindsight, I don't feel like my bachelor's degree means anything. Sure. Um, but for people that are pursuing acting or dance or, you know, something that's kind of like a performance space, yes, you don't have to go to school for that. Um, but if you think it will help you in any way, shape, or form, especially if you're like me, depending on your circumstance of starting late or not getting enough um, knowledge without, you know, having a mentor, then it was beneficial. Sure. Yeah. So for you, um, for you going to acting school um, was benef beneficial? Yes. The, the, okay. yes. So the benefits outweigh the cost? For sure. Just, but I don't think, I don't agree though with, if you want to be a teacher, then go ahead, get your master's degree in acting. Sure. But if you want to make a career out of it and get paid, you know, like I do, <laughs> right? you know, just get out there as soon as possible sure. and just learn by doing it out there. So how long were you in school for, for in acting school? It was a two-year program, but I didn't know it was a two-year program. I was like, cool, one year, I could do it. That, that'll help me. Right. And then they're like, oh, this is a two-year associate's degree. I was like, what? I'm getting an associate's? Usually that's first and then the bachelor's. I was like, sure, that's fine. And lucky enough, though, since my father was in the military, that really, that aided my, my tuition. Nice. The pr a portion of it was paid that's for. I mean, I still have student loans, right. which I'm paying for now. Um, but most of that comes from my bachelor's degree. Wow. Yeah. So that's, a, that's an amazing benefit yeah. um, for you to go to school. Yeah. And so you did that for two years, Yes. came out, and we're kind of back to where we started earlier. You're saying that you were looking for representation. Yes. And uh, you were looking to get out there. You want to be a working actress. Yeah, I, I wanted to get out there and get the roles that I knew agents and managers were kind of like the gatekeepers. It's really the casting directors, but the managers and agents have access to these roles and I wanted to be submitted to them. And I was just hustling away, trying to find representation. But in the middle of doing that, I realized, you know, you have to get your marketing package together. You have to figure out who you are. Like, what's your type? Okay, hold on. Let's, this let's, is a yeah. whole other bubble, you know? Yeah. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's spend some time on this. Because for me, what's important is um, if there's somebody out, like a younger version of yourself, who is looking to pursue acting anywhere, um, this is... This is vital information. And so you're saying you came out of school and it's not as easy as just getting a manager. You actually have to build up to that. So you said you had to put together. Um, a package, a marketing package of yeah. like who I was as an actor, as a person, as a casting type. And, you know, you think you know who you are until you have to put it in a bundle. Right, right. And get your website up, build a reel, um, get great headshots um, and just make it all string together nicely. And even if I did, even if it looked nice to me, it's still, there's going to be something that you're still going to have to work on. And it never felt, it still feels like it's not quite to where I want it to be because sure. it's a process, sure. you know? I guess to me what this feels like, because I mean, I'm, I mean I'm, I'm not an actor, but it's, it, it just feels like you're building a business, right? You're building you. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. You're the entrepreneur. You're the CEO of your brand, of your two feet walking on the ground. Like, right. This is what you represent. You are the brand. You are the brand. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really amazing because I think, we, obviously, we live in a time where, you know, you can put as much as you want out there. And um, the fact that you have to put together 
this packet on who you are and you have to sell yourself. Yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense because, you know, if, if I'm pretty sure everyone out here and here in L.A. is like, you know, you meet a waitress and she's like, oh, I'm trying to be an actress. And once again, it's, it's so funny because I think the notion is like when someone goes, I want to be an actress or an actor, you're, you know, everyone's always thinking of like the lead role, like, you know, tall, handsome or super pretty. Yeah. Or whatever the case is. But I mean, you can act for tons of different roles, right? I mean, you could be the ball-headed guy or you could be evil villain. Yeah. You could be short, tall. You can be any of those things. And I think it's, I guess like you were saying, it, it makes sense that you have to say, hey, look, I like being this villainous guy. I like, I guess it's, I guess you're typecasting yourself in, in Yeah, you are typecasting yourself. But the funny thing about it is in this time of social media and everyone's trying to brand themselves, it's like how do you brand yourself to where you're not just branding for Instagram, but you're branding yourself as as an actor, as a certain character, whatever. Like, for example, you know, I always have a hard time trying to figure out, oh, well, should I make, should I, like, put myself out there more on Instagram? But I'm like, no, that's not me. Like, I want to kind of just coast the industry in a way of where I'm getting my auditions and kind of figure them out with the door closed. And then... Once I do book something, then you'll see it. Do do management want you to be more public? I mean, like, do they say... They never, honestly, they don't really talk about, you know, your Instagram needs to be like this. You need to have this many followers. Right. Keep your content up. They they want you to focus on your craft. Got it. It's kind of like a closed door thing. It's a very, like, one-on-one personal uh, journey, being an actor and figuring out your psyche and what fits you sure. most. Okay, so so now that um, you put together a package, you started to um, do you email people? You, you go to their office? Do you mail um, stuff? So my I have a manager now, yeah. and I freelance with two agents, and they they help me out. I mean, I still submit daily by myself, um, but whenever I do get an audition from them, it's an appointment, which is nice. And you go in, and you these are just co-star roles because sure. I'm just starting out, so a lot of them are under five lines. Well, I mean, let's let's back up real quick. When mm-hmm. just to even find a manager, when you put together your media package mm-hmm. or your marketing package, how did you go about even finding managers? I I did a lot of detective work. It's like you're a detective, and I got a subscription to IMDb Pro, which is a database for you know SAG projects, TV and film, um, who, cast and crew, who's a part of what project. Oh, nice. I got a call sheet that listed casting directors and managers and agents in East Coast and West Coast. And I literally took ones that stood out to me, researched them on IMDb, looked at their clients of actors they represented, and just I could tell if they needed a type like me. Right, right. So then I just cold emailed probably over 100 wow. people until a few landed. And I had meetings with certain agencies that were um, representing a, a list type of actors. And some of these meetings really put me into place of like, wow, I'm not even I'm not even ready. Like, how did I even get through this door? Yeah. And then they're like, no. So that put a lot of perspective into me in into my, you know, knowledge. And so stuff. how many yeah. um, agencies did you go through before you scored your very first? Um I had, I had like four meetings okay. until I finally found one that wanted to work with me. And then my manager, I submitted to him through an email, and he got back to me. He called me and, you know, saw some potential. And I, I signed with him. I didn't sign with him right away. He wanted to freelance for a little while, which is something that happens more so on the East Coast, I learned, than the West Coast. 
So we freelanced for probably about six months to almost a year, and then I signed with him. Okay. Yeah. Are you still with that agency today? Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's been, um, so that's a couple of years already then? It's been almost two years now. Okay. Yeah. Is that normal in the industry that um, you're with an agency that long? Um, I would say so. There are people that are with agencies for up to like 10 years. Okay. I mean, you, you realize when, when you're in it, whether or not they're going to be a good fit. Um, but I, I'm definitely still in the green zone. You know, they say, oh, you're, you're green. You're, what does that mean? It means that you're not, you're not quite up to that professional level yet of being an amateur. Sure. I so suppose. you're still being primed, and I'm still being primed. I am SAG eligible now, which is something in itself that is kind of hard to figure out how to join. Sure. Um, but yeah, now that I have a manager, he's he's helping me, directing me at least, and shaping out who I am, who my type is. So there's definitely a relationship going on because obviously he's got to, he or she's got to know who you are and how that fits whatever casting directors are looking for. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So they got a lot of work and making sure that they sell you to the studios or the casting director. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So um, in the last two years since you've been, you know, with an agency, how has that been going? So it's been, it's been a callus of rejection, yeah, you know, but that callus is strong now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you go into each room and it just starts feeling like I get excited for auditions. People, some people are afraid to audition of that whole process. Yes, you get nervous, but like it's a nervous excitement for me. It's a chance to just let it all out, yeah, I guess. Um, and so I've gone on so many commercial auditions and I get the ratio of commercial auditions to TV and film auditions. It's like, five to one and so i've had a clairol booking that we did and that happened in september i've had little commercials for smaller businesses in new york like bomba socks i did an amex commercial that was mainly for facebook so it wasn't like a tv commercial right um and then i finally got my first sag episodic booking with law and order nice and that took almost um i would say Almost a year and a half of me coming out of school. Wow. Yeah. And then recently, we also saw you on a billboard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For a lobster cruise in New York City. <laughs> Which was super cool. Me eating lobster. <laughs> so, obviously, you got you to gotta be very diverse. I mean, you know, I also, you've, you've also modeled, right? A little bit here and there, yeah, right. yeah. And also, I mean... As a photographer myself, you know, when, when I saw the photos, I mean, you did a really great job. It oh, wasn't like, you. you didn't look like a wannabe model. Like, you looked like you were actually modeling. Yeah. I mean, when people think of model, they automatically think, you know, five, nine and above. But there are so many different, I guess, avenues of styles, commercial yeah. modeling styles. Yeah. yeah. Lifestyles and, and yeah. whatnot. So, um, so, uh, so within that scope of, um, of things, you've gotten some pretty cool stuff i mean in a year and a half i mean you can i mean i'm pretty sure there are people out there who haven't gotten anything right yeah i mean i've had new i guess new new i can't talk today wow i've had newly graduated um students that came out of acting school that are dming me asking me like hey how do i start what's your advice what should i do and i'm just telling them you just have to balance this effort of being patient and being productive 
because you can only do so much to kind of cater to where this monster of yours is going, but you also have to wait and see like how it'll shape you and how, what will, what you will attract. Right. Um, I've had a lot of auditions for even a series regular role. I've gotten my first series reg for a Titans DC show lead and i'm like wow i didn't know that this would come so soon i was thinking this would start happening you know maybe another couple years from now you said series reg series reg which is like the lead of a tv show episodic okay main players that are in every episode of a series so you you were auditioning for that or are you actually i auditioned for it um it was my first major one for the wb casting office and i got a coach to work through the audition and you know I felt like I was ready but I was also scared like this is too soon like I I don't like I'm not I don't even feel like I'm prepared yeah you can only do so much to feel prepared and then you know I didn't get it but I learned so much from that like what was your like what I mean let's go into detail about that because in the scope of things that was a major calling I'm, I'm assuming right yeah um and obviously going into it you you felt underprepared but what what was the biggest thing that you gained from not gaining that job? The biggest thing was learning more about what I have to offer and what I'm perceived as when I come in the room. Um, so when I saw who was cast, it was someone completely different than what I had imagined. And it's really one of these things where you don't know what they want, but once you do book it or once you do see someone else who does get it, you realize that you formulate this this way of how it should be when you go in there, once you perform it. But really, all they're really looking for is just on th- authenticity of who you are as a human being. Right. And then just to see if you fit into what they're looking for. Yeah. 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 It's like this, you know, perfect storm, as you like to say, mm-hmm. of all these things. And if you fall into it, like a puzzle piece. Right. Um. But the chances, the the opportunities of getting such an audition as a lead role for a series regular, um, is doesn't come by often. Sure, you know, yeah. So I mean, but it's cool even to have that opportunity to go and and test yourself. Yeah, to be considered is, I guess my headshots are working. You know, <laughs> right, right, definitely. Um, I guess what I want to do is kind of talk a little bit about um, Asian Americans mm-hmm. in in acting. Um, the reason why I want to kind of bring that up is obviously um, you being half Asian, half white, there's um, there's a lot of stuff that's happening within that region. But then there's also a lot that's happening within the Asian American um, culture as a whole. Mm-hmm. I mean, on Netflix, there's tons of you know comedians and actors and movies that are coming out. And I feel like it's a great time right now for Asian American acting. Yeah. Um, do you feel like um, you've seen that shift in New York in the last couple of years or... For sure. I think that with casting, it, it happens for the big roles and big productions. Casting happens on both coasts, but especially in New York, like Netflix just bought a bunch of space in Brooklyn and there have been more TV shows filmed here now than there ever have been. And people are saying like, oh, New York is like the place to go now, but it always shifts. It's like the market, you know, yeah. it goes up and down, it crashes like you don't even know. Um but for me sp- specifically being half Asian and half American, I, I'm perceived, some people don't know what I am when they look at me and I've dealt with this my whole life, 
you know, are you, are you Asian? Like, what are you? That's always the question. And it's been a personal journey to understand me being biracial and knowing that it's a thing in and of itself. Yeah. Um, and having to learn how to let people know that. Cause when you, I can't just stand there and people are like, Oh yeah, you're half Filipino, half American. It's like, I've had to kind of shape the way I appear to make that more obvious. Yeah. And I feel like looking at you, you definitely look more like 80% white. Yeah. And then, and then maybe partially like Asian. I would, I, it would have been tough if I had a guess, like if I just met you right now, mm-hmm. but also I think, well, a lot of your mannerisms, because I think you probably spent a lot of time in the Philippines, your mom's Filipino. Like I can, I can see that when I first met you, I was like, Oh, she's definitely Filipino. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like definitely more so in the inside than what's outside. <laughs> right. Right. So I kind of feel like this, there's this thing going on where I, you know, in college in 2000, 2001, 2002, I used to watch a lot of movies, a lot of independence and stuff. And I always felt like the Asian American segment was always lacking. You know, For I think sure. the, the, the whole cultural thing was, I think the Asian Americans really haven't gotten out of the, the whole of like, you know, you can actually do this as a career and you can be successful. And, you know, maybe, you know, careers like Lucy Lou's and um, all the other Asian Americans that were kind of coming up were very, very sparse, you know. And, mm. and now I feel like, you know, there's just a lot more that's happening. But I also feel like it's it's there's it's also not enough because you see a lot of the same Asian actors in a right. lot of different roles, right? And yeah. I feel like... You, you want to get more. And I was talking about this with another fellow actor, friend of mine. Her name is Rita Sengupta. She's... Um, she was, she grew up in Oklahoma, but her parents are Indian or Pakistani. I don't remember, but she's South Asian. And we were talking about how the majority of casting directors, like the main casting directors, aren't people of color. So they're the ones in charge of who's being cast. Right, right. And there are so many other casting directors out there that are more so independent that are diverse ethnically right. and know more of these diverse stories sure like rami is this new show on hulu and it's about muslim faith and his journey of being um a young muslim man in jersey like it's the they're they're coming along but they're so far few in between of what's actually being produced right um well and i think that's um that really makes for an interesting segment i think for any of you guys are listening especially if you guys are young i think the future for potential casting directors in a very specific niche for different cultural stuff is could be big because to me i mean i've always part of you know me starting this podcast is i love hearing the human story especially um the ones that derived from immigration yeah you know, and, and hearing about the struggles of, 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 of the upcoming mm-hmm. and i feel like what, what i hate watching is like for example if a, a major studio produced an animation film about a certain ethnic culture what i don't like is watching um the movie and feeling like somebody who is of not of that region or that ethnic background or culture felt like they put a movie together and said, Hey, look, I think I know who can fit these roles and they don't know anything about that culture. And just like, I feel like they can, they can, they can do this. Yes. They're just plugged in. And then it just feels fake. I mean, without me getting into very specific details, but like, for example, I mean, I'm just gonna get into it. Forget it. Like if I was going to say, if I was going to make a Mexican movie, like a Mexican culture movie, and then all of a sudden I start hiring people who are from Guatemala, from Venezuela. And when you watch a movie like that, you're going to feel like, hey, this doesn't feel authentic. Yeah. And or like when, for example, um, 
if um, you have a if let's say I have a buddy who's white and he was like, hey, let's go get some uh, Korean food, and he says something that's not Korean, and you're like, bro, obviously, you know, I got a long ways to teach you, right? Yeah, exactly. And so I feel like recently, God, there's a movie that um, my son was watching a lot where it was produced by. I was telling my wife when we watched it. I think it was a kid who uh, was playing the guitar. I don't know if you remember the name of the movie. I had to ask my wife. Um, uh-huh. So basically, what happened was at, after at the end of the movie, I think it was called Coco. Uh huh. And um, I seen that. At the end of the movie, I was telling my wife because I don't usually watch a lot of animations. I told her I was like, this movie felt so genuine. Like I felt like a group of um, Latinos or Mexican Americans. Or not Mexican Americans, but just Mexicans in general. Yeah, like had their hand in this. It wasn't like produced by somebody who was outside of that culture. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah for sure. I know there's another animated uh, animated show that's gonna come out. I don't know what platform it's gonna be on, but the animators are Thai, and you could see it in their drawings. There's like some Thai influence in what the whole show looks like, and right. the main characters are Thai. I just, I, yeah, more of these stories, they're coming along, but it's slowly going there. Sure. Um, I feel like I'm lucky, though, to be in the industry right now at this time, because after the whole Me Too movement and this whole, like, more diversity thing, I feel like the industry has made a sharp right turn, and it's it's going there, but it's just taking a bit of time. Sure. But I, at least there's movement. Yeah. And I think, um, and kind of going back to Coco, when you, when you watch that movie, there's a lot of components to Mexican culture mm-hmm. when you watch it. And it's just unbelievable because you're learning something so near and dear to someone else's culture. Right. But it just, when you watch it, it just feels right. Versus saying, I don't know if that's how that culture really, you know, you know celebrates. For you know? sure. And so I think for me, what I love seeing is... Um, just and even with Instagram or even this is the reason why I started this podcast is because just being genuine to yeah. find something that isn't driven by money mm-hmm. or just some BS is mm-hmm. just saying, hey, look, we want to deliver the best product, the best story. And we want to do it with people who are involved um, in that culture to me is like really important. And I feel like th- right now with Asian-Americans and Hispanics and I think anybody who comes from that type of background, which is not being, you know, you know, native to this country mm-hmm. are, are bringing those stories across. And yeah. so, um, so that's awesome. You know, I mm-hmm. think there's definitely great things ahead, especially for you, but do you feel like, what do you feel like are your biggest challenges coming up in the next year? The biggest challenge for me pursuing this art form is just taking one day at a time and you know, finding ways to sustainably survive. Because I'm not going to lie, I, I was waiting tables for many years, and a lot of actors do, but I, it, was, it was definitely draining me, and I had to figure out ways to survive mentally. Like, because I was coming down, you know, having down days. It might have been a bit of depression. Sure. Um, but we all go through that. And well, let's, you know, let's talk about that because I think that's super important It is because I think lots of times when, you know, it's we're, not all happy <laughs> right. and just like, yes, I'm doing this career. It's amazing. Oh yeah. yeah. You got to go down sometimes. So <laughs> I think part of, and I see this a lot when I talk to young creatives is that, um, obviously money, money is a, money is a factor, a major factor. And it, it, the lack of money, I should say, um, makes us kind of go in directions that we may not normally do, right? To to pay rent and, 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 you know, get food on the table. We might 
you know, take on jobs on jobs to, you know, make ends meet. Um, when I meet some um, young photographers, lots of times, you know, they go out and do whatever they can to buy very expensive equipment, you know, yeah. and, and, and they're out there, you know, feeling like, you know, what they have is not adequate. By the way, everyone, Manly is a very talented photographer. <laughs> anyway. Thank you. Thank you. But, you know, <laughs> you know, but in, in the scope of things, like, I think what's important is that, um, you're good. Um, I think what's important is that, um, creatives go through this process. Remember, like I said, that, that the, the fire, the passion burns fast and you get to the point where like you're on, you're on, everything's going great. And all of a sudden you might go through a dry spell of like maybe yes. six weeks of nothing. Yes. And you're like, dude, this is getting scary. It's also understanding the freelance life. I never understood it because I had, you know, been busy going to school every day, you know, basically pretty much having a nine to five schedule, waking up, going to class, you know, and then my only jobs, I've never worked a corporate job ever in my life. It's just been random survival jobs. But pursuing such a career, you know, you have your ups and downs. You'll have, I'll have weeks where I'll have five auditions. And then the next two weeks, nothing. It just, it's all at random. And in order to stay sane, you cannot wait for the call. You cannot wait for the email, I guess I should say. You have to fill your life with other things. And for the first year after I graduated, I was just so obsessed with like, I need to do this. I need to do that. Like I was having such anxiety about my presence online. Then I finally came to terms with, you know, just, just, just be, just, just let it go. Just live, you know, and things started becoming more at ease. There wasn't this like pressure of having to keep up with everyone else. I was so focused on what everyone else was doing and like, right. why am I not booking that? Or why right. am I not on that? You know, so that was something, per, a personal journey and personal growth, you know. Yeah, you know, I feel like Instagram is, is like this, it's it's like a cancer. It you know? is. And, and it, can, I mean, it can be beneficial, but at the same it's time. It's a double-edged sword. It is, because you get to the point where there's this constant comparison of people's highlight reels, and you're just watching how everybody, like every story is amazing, right? You're like, amazing, 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 amazing. Yeah. And you're like, I'm just sitting at home doing laundry. Yeah. But those people do that too. It's just that nobody shares that stuff because that's not highlight like, worthy. If we had a camera now, there's a pile of laundry that I just pulled out of the dryer. You know, <laughs> this is the life. It's just, you know, we, we have our facades that we put up to show that, yes, we are moving along and we are gaining traction. But day to day, Life is still life, and you just have to find your your comfort, your home, I guess. But still get out of your comfort zone for sure if you sure. want to keep moving. Sure, sure. But build your home. So I feel like, you know, in the scope of things, you know, you're, you're trying to progress, but at the same time, things are not going your way, and you're like, oh, my God, like, what am yeah, I doing Yeah, like, my this life? morning, I mean, I wake up some mornings. Maybe it's because I'm just a, I don't know, emotional actor, female. <laughs> I woke up this morning. I'm like, God, I just haven't booked anything in a freaking while. Like it's so dry right now. I'm going on auditions. I'm getting callbacks, but I'm not. And then, you know, I'm sure it'll just happen. You never know when it does, but dealing with those emotions, I've had to teach myself like they're like clouds. They will pass. Don't give in to them. Don't indulge in your emotions. Right. Carry along, learn how to Learn how to enjoy who you are and sure. figure out, yeah. I like how you said that. It's, it's <laughs> like a cloud. It's, yeah. it's, it's here, but now it's gone. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. So in, in, in the scope of things, uh, like for me, you know, 
since I started doing the online and branding stuff, you know, recently I've gone through more downs and ups recently. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like I question my sanity and my life every single day. Because I'm like, hey, you know, and I think, you know, once again, when you're a freelancer, when you work for yourself, when you're in a creative field, it's like a collision course of all of these emotions constantly. And, you know, today, like yesterday could have been awesome. And today we're like, dude. I think it's what we do is we seek consistency in a feeling. Sure. And also security. In order for security to feel good it has to be consistent right right and so we look for that through jobs and bookings and if it's not consistent then we're just it's like we're flying through the dark right it's um it's it's that not knowing you know it's just the constant anxiety starts building because of the um uncertainty yeah um that um is always knocking at the door right it's like yeah. hey yeah i haven't done anything exactly but then in order to make myself feel better I'll talk to someone else who's pursuing something completely non-related to the arts and they feel the exact same way. No one knows, ex- no one knows what's going on. No one knows what they're really doing. They're just trying their best with whatever it is that they're doing yeah. in this life. And, and that's so great to, to hear that because, you know, once again, going back to the, you know, the whole concept of my podcast is, hey, guys, like that person you, that you follow so religiously and you think their life is so perfect really isn't they they are really going through it obviously they're showing off the best of what is happening that day but you're not watching the other 80 percent of the struggle you know not. and um you don't know that maybe they had to hitch a ride to work you know to or to school or that they have mounding debt or you know they have a spending uh habits or you know drugs or whatever the case is that, that that's not being shown right and so it's it's I think it's important for us to continue that conversation saying, hey, look, this is this is a tough journey when you're pursuing dreams. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of kick in the nuts, you know, sure. punches in the face. And you're going to be you're going to be questioning your sanity every single day. Exactly. Even when things are great. I'm like, how long is this going to last? Yeah. Like, or how can we continue this 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 emotional state that things will be going well. And And I have a funny story. Like Filipinos are very superstitious, right? Yes. I had, I was going, um, I was getting very fit in the Philippines because I was eating a lot of fish and rice. And um, I got into this island life. I'm like, I'm going to work out, you know. And one of my trainers there, he was like, sign your name. I can tell what kind of person you are through your signature. And, you know, some people have said that to you too, I'm sure. And he looked at my signature and he's like, Michelle, you are going to be great, but you're too afraid to fly. You're oh. too afraid to jump. Oh. And that, like, you have to have these moments to make you kick off. And that, I would say, a part of the whole scheme of life, push, it was another energy force to make me go forward to wow. New York. And it really is just flying through the dark, even if it's pursuing the arts or not. It's, this is life. Like, this is it. Yeah. It's that's insane. (laughs) And and I think funny enough, you know, once again, creatives, you get a word from that from somebody you don't know. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm on again. I'm on again. Right. Like, where did that come from? Like, dude, let's go. Yeah. And and you're right. And I think that's that's why it's so important to be surrounded by people who are constantly um, uplifting and positive, even if they're not in your field, because creatives need to be fueled by positivity. Yeah. And if you're not, 
I mean, you will walk away from everything you've ever built. I mean, I'm at the point where I'm coming up two years on my brand, and I'm at the point where, like, I mean, do I keep going? Like, yeah. I mean, where's all this leading to? And so it's about um, being re- relatable, right? And being yeah. relative, and because everything's shifting brands, the way things are marketed. And so your brand has to carry on through with that. Or like in that, in the film, La La Land, freaking, what's his name? Um, John Legend and um, the who was Emma's boyfriend? Who's that actor? <laughs> yeah, he was on, on the, the jazz notebook. musician, the one who was pursuing jazz. Uh-huh. John Legend was like, in order for you to have a jazz, like you want to do jazz, then you have to revolutionize it and make it relatable to today. Yeah. Or else it's just, you know, it's not going to go. Everything moves, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, okay, so, so in the scope of things, um, in the next year, um, what do you feel like if everything did go well, like, what would that be like in the next year? Like, realistically. I'm just trying to reach a level of working consistently. I mean, when people think of a successful actor, they're like, oh, then you just want to be famous. My goal was never to gain fame. My goal was just to wake up every day, go to set, which would be my office um, for me, if you want to put that analogy to it, and enjoying what I do. I want it. I just want to reach a routine. And people say, oh, you're going to burn out eventually with that. But that's my next goal. Right. Is to have a daily, like, wake up, go to set, shoot. I'm, I'm just ready for that life. And like anybody, we all have chapters. And if that comes to a point where I get tired of it, then I'm sure by that point, I'll look for the next challenge. Exactly, the next level. Yeah. Definitely. So it's like taking one level at a time instead of looking at the very, like, highest, highest level. Yes, we can dream, but we also have to be realistic and balance that with our, um, with our moves and, sure. like, what we're going after. You know, recently there's a, there's this going around in the car community where they talk about um, remember there was a time where you used to dream about what you currently have today. Yeah, and it's really powerful because you know there's a point where you gain the things that you've wanted, but you just get bored of it, and and then you just kind of want to move on. And so I think there's a component of you know what you're saying where you've dreamt of something where you just want regular work, mm-hmm. and and that that's very important because getting regular work as you know that's very challenging in a world where things are not regular right you know and so um and so that's really beautiful to hear i think what i would love to see of course in my podcast is a lot of follow-up you know i was here two years ago maybe potentially another two years Mm -hmm. to do a follow-up with you and 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 see where and yeah back back to who i was when you did that little interview on our roof on chinatown i you think it's going to go fast, what you want. And then you do what you have to do on the daily. And even if you move an inch, it's still something because you never know when you're going to move a foot. Right. You know, you just have to keep putting in whatever it is you can put. But yeah, I was, I was always kind of obsessed with, oh, I just, it just needs to happen fast, you know, like, and it's also my generation being a millennial. Sure. We want satisfaction right away. Um, everything's instantaneous, but it's having again to balance being patient and being productive right yeah yeah i think and um you know something i say a lot recently it was not just recently but i've always been saying is you know the the faster you build it the faster it will fall 
Yeah, and, um, and I saw that post. Yeah, you know, and it's to me, so true. It's 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 because I feel like people in in me and Alec talked about this, you know, yesterday where um, I'm a big fundamentals guy, and a lot of people don't like learning fundamentals because it's boring. But you know, without the fundamentals, it's like, well, you're building a house on top of sand, bro. Like that's not gonna last very long. Yeah, and I don't care how beautiful your house is. If it's built on sand or dirt, you know, eventually it's going to fail. And so, you know, I, I will spend all my time in my photography. I try not to do too many things that are very um, hype type tricks and, you know, effects. Because at, at the end of the day, those things really um, won't last. The, 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 um, it won't you know, have longevity. Yeah. Exactly. And so for me, it's like with anything else, it's like. Well, why don't you, if you spend the time to learn all of the things that you really should understand, like in acting, I'm pretty sure you can get into probably like, you know, you know, um, I think it's something that's really big in acting is um, when somebody, when you're acting with somebody in the same scene is to also be very reactionary, right? Because yes, you don't you understand they're waiting for like your turn to speak. Yeah. And you got to be like, oh my God, your mother died and you got to have that face, you yeah. know? And so you can't not... just wait to say your line. Right. You have to be filled. You have to look like you're thinking. Exactly. Like you're an actual human in the show. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing is just, hey, you got to understand that there's, once again, there's a time and place, but build those fun fundamentals where the things that really count when the time comes, once you knock those fundamentals out, when the time comes and you're choking, you just can revert back to what you know is foundational. Exactly. And that would never yeah. fail you. And and when you when you're trying to build so fast, you're also exerting so much of your energy and your emotion that it's all going to be crammed out into what you create. That it's whatever it is that you've created is also so fragile that it will just it could crash. And then it's like how you can't build up all that energy again to do it. it you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, like it yeah. can't come out too fast. Whatever it is you create or whatever it is you're trying to aim for, you have to find like your cruise. Sure. speed yeah and you're right and it's like this it's um i guess what i guess what you're alluding to is like comedians if, like they have these performances that are so profound but the great performances are only so few far in between sure you know well i feel like it's like this like if you said i want to become an actress and then just the next day they put you in a major movie with a major a-lister and if you didn't have the fundamentals if you didn't have the experience and they put you on the spotlight what will happen? You'll probably crumble. You will crumble. You will, you will crumble. not be ready. You yeah. have to, you have to put yourself in like, um, just kind of like the B situations of that A situation. Sure. Yeah. And I think th there's a it. component of, of uh, experience and understanding and patience that really strengthen you up. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, um, I think kind of once again, relating back to photography, when I talk to young kids, um, they'll be like, oh, it'd be amazing to get a gig that pays 20, 30, 40, 50, $100,000. Right. But I tell them this, if, if I was to, if, if, if Nike, like let's say you were shooting for a year, Nike comes knocking and says, hey, we really love your stuff. We'll pay you $100,000 to shoot this campaign. And you're like, yeah, I'm on. Yeah. And then you go and shoot it and you make terrible mistakes because you were never fundamentally taught so you, you know you might miss focus um you know but the lighting is not really that great or whatever the case is mm -hmm. and all of a sudden nike's like yo you know we paid you a lot of money and you delivered you didn't deliver you delivered fifteen thousand dollars worth of, of, of a product yeah right, right and now it's like talk about dream crushing for like, sure gonna, it's your ego too you know everything's gonna come crashing down and so it's about the small wins that ultimately lead to the big wins. Right. And when you get to the big wins, you'll be able to fight the big war. 
Exactly. And so, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, progression is exactly that. You know, whether you step an inch or a foot, mm-hmm. but as long as you're moving forward. And, and granted, even if you take a few steps back, you learn from them and then learn how to gain momentum again. Exactly. And so that's what life's about. That's it what is. I'm about. And um, um, Michelle, other than that, um, where can people find you? Um, so I, you could find me first and last name, Michelle Yazvak. How do you spell that? It's a weird last name. People are like, what is that? And I always have to say it is, it is Croatian. It is Eastern European, which I've still yet to visit that part right. of the world and those roots of who I am. Um, Y-A-Z as in zebra, V as in Victor, A-C as in Charles. <laughs> right on. Okay, well, I mean, I'm so excited to see where your career takes you. And Thank you. Uh, in the next couple of years, when we come visit, I want to hear about all the crazy sets that you've been on. Oh, and, man. Um, I appreciate it. Thank so, you so much. You're welcome. Thank you guys for hanging out. We had a great time. Obviously, you guys know that um, in life, there's a lot of challenges that come with it. And as you guys heard, Michelle, um, she's had a struggle all along the way and she's still continuing to go through those things today. Um, I wish you guys well and I hope you guys do great today and tomorrow and um, go make someone's day today. So, see you guys on the next one. <laughs>